Hello and welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place for all the stats, storylines, news, drama, results, and everything else going on in the world of professional volleyball. Sorry I haven't been able to do one of these in a while, I've been quite sick over the past week, still recovering, but should be good to go for the near future. Nations League and international volleyball season is right around the corner, so there's going to be lots of stuff to talk about on the podcast. In this episode, we're going to review the Champions League Superfinals that took place in Berlin last weekend. Seems like a long time ago, but it has been less than a week since those finals took place. We've also had a lot of new transfers that have come in since last Wednesday when I did the last transfer podcast. We also have Nations League coming up for men's already started on the women's side, so we can talk about that a bit as well. But I think I'll leave most of the major Nations League previews for podcasts this weekend and going into next week. But first, a big congratulations to Novara and Kuchene Lubechivitanova for their Champions League Super Finals titles. Both relatively unexpected results, I think, especially for Novara, who got swept 3-0 in the Italian League Finals by their opponents Caneliano. But I guess they won when it counted. They were finally able to slow down the red-hot offense of Samantha Fabris, Carstello, Robin de Cruyff, and the rest of Canigliano. On Novara, I think Michelle Barsh, the American outside hitter, was their best player, hitting 20 for 45, four blocked hits and two hitting errors, but came clutch in a lot of key moments, especially in that fourth and decisive set. Pauli Ganu struggled at times, getting subbed out at the end of the second set, but still got a huge set load as we expected, 64 attacking attempts, only converting on 25 of them, but still bailed out Novara in a lot of key rallies. Aganu was also named MVP, not going to be the first MVP I disagree with on this podcast, but I guess they look it up more holistically, not just the final match, but also throughout the entire tournament, in which case I would agree that Aganu was their most important player. Francesca Piccinini didn't have a great game, only hitting 2 for 12 in this match, but how about this? She has won her 7th Champions League title. Pretty crazy stuff. Alright, now I'm going to talk about the men's game between Cuccini, Lube Civitanova, and Zenikazan that Lube won three sets to one, dropping that first set in a pretty one-sided affair, 25-16 for Zenikazan, but then it turned into one of the most lopsided volleyball matches I've watched on this level, with Lube winning the next three sets 25-15, 25-12, and 25-19, which would have been an even bigger result had Irvin Engapet not gone on a big serving run right at the end of the match. Second place, obviously not a bad result for the vast majority of clubs, as Coach Alekno said at the end of the game. Second place, silver medals, nothing to be ashamed of, but still kind of a devastating way for this kind of four or five year run of Zenikazan to end, losing in the Russian Domestic League title to Kubzas Kemerovo, and then immediately following it up with a big loss to Kuchine Lubichivitanova, who definitely got their revenge for last year's Champions League matchup. This game would probably be more interesting to talk about had it been a closer match, but being outscored by 30 in the last three sets, don't think anyone expected it to be that much of a blowout for either side. So how did it get to this point for Zenikazan, one of the best clubs we've seen in volleyball over the last decade? I think in this match, it definitely has to start with Alexander Buko, an uncharacteristically awful game for him. 
Usually Zenic is on a team that executes almost flawlessly when it comes to a perfect pass on a side-out situation. But Buko was misfiring today, had a couple sets to the back row where he just could not connect at all with Mikhailov. And then it, Mikhailov ended up setting the ball over a couple times in the front row where he put it out to Angapet, who had to pull out one of his crazy Angapet moves because the set didn't give him any opportunities at all to hit anything but right into the block. And Buko eventually getting subbed out for Alekno Jr. in the fourth set. And honestly, I think it should have happened a lot sooner. But tough to pull the plug on one of the players who's been so instrumental to your success on this run. Lube was also putting enormous service pressure on Zenikazan, especially from the three Cubans. Yoandri Leal with five aces. Robert Landy Simon with an ace. And Osmani Wantarena. No aces, but still... A lot of effective serving. Dragon Stankovic coming in also really helped Lubici Vitanova. Such a massive upgrade on Enrico Chester. Served really well in the match. Serving the most balls for Lube at 20. Three blocks. Only hit one for five. But honestly, his blocking really made such a big difference in this game. I don't think the lack of offense mattered. Especially when the wings of Lubici Vitanova were scoring so well. Robert Landy-Simon also contributing a lot to the blocking. You almost don't need a triple block when your middle blockers are taking up that much space with their arms between Simon and Stankovic. Simon only with two kill blocks, but you could tell in the last three sets that the Zenikazan attackers were just terrified to go anywhere near him. I had talked about in the preview podcast and the podcast about Kemerovo beating Zenikazan, that one of the keys to beating them this season is seem to be limiting the effectiveness of their middles, Artem Volvich, uh, Lakosherstov, and Alexei Semoylenko. And in this game, they were completely nullified. Volvich, 3 for 7, no blocks. Lakosherstov, 2 for 4, 3 blocks, but it seemed like he was giving up a lot of easy kills in order to go for the kill blocks. And then Semoylenko came in in the third and fourth sets. Only got one kill in a couple blocks. Bruno was doing a really good job of just keeping these guys running in circles. They had no idea where the ball was going. Zenikazan, a team that loves to get up triple blocks when they can, didn't see very many of them in this game. The Lube Wings had an easy time of getting through the late blocks of Volvich and Samoylenko and Lakoshostov. And that's really painful for your middles when they're not adding a lot from serving either or in offense, which to be fair is kind of a result of the bad passing and really shaky hands from Butko, but this game was really won from the setter position and the middles. Well done to Bruno, Simon, and Stankovic. Irvin Enkapet struggled a lot during the game, a lot of it not his fault. As I've mentioned many times, the setting by Butko was off for large portions of this game. Enkapet only hitting 10 for 28 getting blocked six times in two attacking errors. A lot of those blocked attacks were him trying to do his weird like offhand tips into the blocks, trying to wipe it off the block. But A, the sets were not tight enough to do moves like that. And B, clearly Lube is ready for Engabet's trickery and guys like Simon. You're not going to be able to break through their blocks with moves like that. He did have this cool service run in the fourth set right before Zenikazan was about to lose. I think they were down like 24-13 or 23-13, and Engapet I think ripped off six or seven serves in a row. Tried to bring them back into it, wasn't quite enough. And that was really the only time during the entire match 
where the Zenikazan service did any damage. If Zenikazan was going to take care of Lube, that was where they would need to have gotten their points because we've seen so far this season, passing has been an issue for Lube Chivitanova at many points throughout the season. Osmani Wantarena won MVP for Lube Chivitanova. He definitely didn't play poorly during this match. He's definitely had his moments throughout the tournament, but if we're talking about this match in particular, definitely Yoandri Leal would be my pick for MVP, followed closely by Bruno and Robert Landy Simon. All three had excellent games. It's kind of a meme at this point that no matter who plays well, Juan Torreno was always going to get the MVP. I think that meme is probably kind of true, but it's not like he played terribly or anything, but there are definitely more deserving players in my opinion. We're not going to have a matchup like this in a while though, because both of these teams are going to look quite different next year. This is probably a good place to transition into talking about some transfers that have gone down over the last week. Obviously on Zeneca's on, Matt Anderson leaving for Modena. Even Engapets rumored to maybe want to get out after that disaster of a Russian League final and Champions League final, but that's not the big news I'm going to talk about. The big news is Lubichiv Tanova losing Svetan Sokolov to Zeneca's on, but they finally found a replacement, and it's not... Ivan Zaitsev, like I hinted at on the last podcast, kind of had some inside info that Zaitsev was going to stay in Modena. And we are getting Camille Riklicki, Luxembourgian, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast. is exciting prospect to watch, underrated player in volleyball, and he's moving from Ravenna to be the starting opposite for Kuchine Lube Chivatanova. So this has been a big upgrade for Riklicki in the last couple years, going from an outside hitter on Mosaic in 2017-2018, making it to the Italian League last year, playing for Ravenna, both as an outside hitter and as an opposite, and now making the jump to Lube Civitanova at 22 years old, probably going to spend the vast majority of his time at the opposite position for Lube Civitanova, and they are putting a lot of faith in a guy who's definitely high potential, high skill level, very physical player, but relatively untested at the highest level. Last season for Ravenna, he averaged 5.2 points per set on 43% hitting efficiency, 50% kill percentage, 0.3 aces per set, and 0.18 blocks per set. Pretty good numbers, fifth in the league in scoring, and actually was more efficient than the four guys above him. And on Ravenna, he was definitely the primary option getting a lot of out-of-system balls, whereas on Lubitschivitanova, obviously several other very competent hitters to go to, so I would expect a slight efficiency increase from Riklicki next year. He doesn't give you nearly the blocking that Sveden Sokolov does, but I think he can do a pretty good job of coming close to matching the hitting prowess of Sokolov. That's how much I trust Riklicki. I'm a huge fan of his. He's an incredible athlete. 6'8", one of the best jumpers and strongest guys in volleyball right now. Really impressive to watch. He's going to be the subject of a lot of Instagram highlights. He pounds the ball maybe harder than anyone I've seen in recent memory. Has a really, really powerful arm swing. Again, a lot of people definitely got in on the Camille Riklicki bandwagon last year, but getting the exposure that'll get on Lube Civitanova and in the Champions League, now pretty much everyone is going to know who this guy is. Really happy for him. Maybe not Bartosz Kurek, maybe not Sokolov, maybe not Zaitsev, but I think out of all the options that were left for Lubitschivtanova, I think this was the best guy available. Definitely better than the America 4 rumors I've been hearing. Oh man, that would have been 
tragic if they had to go to Amirga 4. But Rick Lickie is only 22, training with a very experienced Lube Chivitanova staff. Going to teach him a lot. He'll probably get a lot better, grow into his game. Looking forward to what he can do on that team. We just got some pretty breaking news happening as I'm recording the podcast. Ivan Zaitsev has decided to stay with Bodena for an additional two years on top of the original three years that he signed last summer, which brings the total contract length up until 2023. So we go from Zaitsev kind of almost leaving Modena to go to Lube Civitanova a couple weeks ago to signing basically for life, considering that he's already 30 years old. By the end of this contract, he'll be 35, probably not a ton of volleyball life left. So things change quickly in the world of volleyball. I like the move for Modena. Nice to have a marketable face in Zaitsev, who's still an elite player and an Italian national to boot. Definitely one of the most valuable players in the Italian Super League. I'm not sure what conversation went on behind closed doors this week, but someone must have made a pretty good impression on Zaitsev in order for him to sign another two years. I mean, he already had a contract till 2021. It's not like he needed to sign these additional two years. Maybe the whole thing about going to Lubechivitanova was Zaitsev just trying to leverage himself to a lifetime contract with Modena. Who knows? But kind of an interesting turn of events in the Ivan Zaitsev saga. We have a lot of other transfers rolling in from Italy. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, Oleg Plotnitschke has officially signed with Perugia, so they are going all in on the all-offense, all-serving lineup. I don't know how well it'll work, but they have a lot of talent on that team. It'll be really interesting to watch. Also, they signed Italian junior national team middle Roberto Russo, who played on Ravenna last year. Had a good season, definitely still developing. Perugia is kind of going with this young Italian middle roulette, signing Galassi and Fabio Ricci last year, signing Russo this year. Just kind of hoping that they accidentally hit on the one that ends up being the most talented. Piacenza is starting to come together, signing Alexander Berger away from Perugia, who's been there for a few years, kind of as that first guy off the bench, serving sub, giving the starters some rest. While he did play an important role in Perugia, I think he was a little too good to be spending a lot of time on the bench there. We've seen how good he is in a starting lineup when he plays for the Austrian national team. So great signing for them. I like their other outside. They signed a little bit less. Iacopo Boto, decent Italian outside, more of a defensive passing outside hitter. But having another Italian in their starting lineup gives them a bit more freedom to pursue some better foreigners. We'll see if they go with Alessandro Fay at opposite. Definitely an older guy at almost 40, but his last season in the Superliga a couple years ago was actually really good. Maybe they go with Julio Sabi at opposite. He did join them from China later on in the season. But with Bodo, there is a question of where this team gets their offense from next year. But it looks like they definitely are not going to skimp on players too much. Yassine Luati is leading Padova after a pretty successful season for the French outside hitter and he will be going to Monza to replace Oleg Plotnitschke. Love Luati as a player, not quite on the same level as Plotnitschke, not as dynamic or exciting, but I think his skill set definitely complements the hyper-offensive skills of Zavaranok and Bucegger quite well. And coming into Padova to replace Luati is Yuki Ishikawa, 
who I actually think is a better player than Yasin Lawati, Japanese prodigy superstar, kind of been unlucky with a couple of his teams in the Italian Superliga with Latina a couple years ago, and then on the disappointing, to say the least, Siena this year who got relegated. Glad Yuki Ishikawa quickly found another team in the Italian Superliga to play on. Would be a shame if this guy wasn't playing in the top domestic league in the world. Hopefully Padova's good this year and he finally gets the recognition he deserves as a legitimately elite player in volleyball. Michelle Barnovic is leaving Hawkbeck Ankara after one season to join Valencia in the Italian Super League. I really like this signing for them, replacing a foreign setter, Timothy Zukowski, which is important for them as they're looking like a team with some interesting foreign prospects, including TJ DeFalco, Bartholomew Chininez, and Brazilian opposite hitter Abuba, who I will definitely follow, at least for the nickname. That's it for Italian transfers for now. There's probably a few more minor ones, but I'm really only trying to cover the major signings, especially when it comes to foreign players. Later on in the summer, I'll probably do a more comprehensive off-season review of the teams in the Italian Super League, really get into the nitty-gritty details there once we know the full rosters for all the teams. In Poland, Piotr Nowakowski is moving from Gdansk to Warsaw, likely to replace Graham Vigras, who is leaving there for Szczepczy Vigil. Nowakowski, pretty good replacement for Graham Vigras. Not really the server or the attacker that Vigras is, but pretty tough to beat when it comes to middle blocking for Piotr Nowakowski. Those middles are going to be really tough to get through between Andrzej Rona and Piotr Nowakowski. And if they re-sign Kurak, they're going to have some foreign player spots to fool around with. Matej Mika, 2014 world champion gold medalist, is leaving a disastrous season in Rosovia, where he was on the bench for most of the season, partly due to injury, partly due to poor play. But he's looking to have a redemption season in Ulstein, where hopefully he will be given the starting outside role. I always liked Mika as a player. However, he did not look good last year in Rosovia at all. Couldn't pass, couldn't hit. Really a tough season for him, but hopefully he is going to go back to his usual high level of play next year. Mika, only 28 years old, still has a lot of good volleyball left in him. I like the move for Olsen. Kind of a higher risk, but potentially very high reward signing for them. If Mika's even... 80% of what he was at his prime, he's going to be a great option for them. I mean, there is the chance that he's just permanently slowed down already, but I think when a guy's relatively young still, you got to take that chance. And I mentioned that Graham Vigras, the Canadian middle blocker, one of the best middles in the world, is moving to Jastrzebski Vigil next season. Jastrzebski Vigil coming off a relatively successful season, coming in third place. Their middles last year solid in David Gunia, Gregor Kossak, and Piotr Hain, but not really dynamic athletes, didn't provide you with a ton on offense, a little bit of a waste of Lucas Campa's really high ability to set the middles. I like the signing of Graham Vigras. Shostrebchi Vagel making some good moves this summer, also bringing in young Polish superstar Tomasz Fornal, keeping Julian Liniel, Lucas Campa, also bringing in middle blocker Yuri Gladier who counts as a Polish player when you're determining the foreign player limit. I think they're going to be an improved team next year. They've gotten better at pretty much every position that they were weaker at last year. For now, in for Fromm, and then Vigras and Yuri Gladier in for the middles I mentioned earlier. 
Unfortunately, they're still stuck with David Kornarski as their opposite, but it's not like he's a terrible player and the players around him should make up for Konarski's lack of efficiency at the opposite position. In Brazil, the Argentinian Facundo Conte will be joining Gord Perrin as an outside hitter for Santa Cruzero. This signing means Santa Cruzero immediately has one of the most devastating outside combinations in all of club volleyball. Gord Perrin and Conte, two of the best outsides in our game, both really strong at pretty much every skill, very few weaknesses between the two. This likely means that Felipe Ferraz will finally be taking a backseat after being a starting outside hitter for Santa Cruzero for pretty much the entire decade. Probably about time too. Felipe Ferraz has a great career. He's aged really well, but you could tell he was limiting Santa Cruzero quite a bit in the playoffs this year and the fact that he'll turn 40 during next season. I think it's time to take a backseat. I'm sure he'll still get used in some lineups against some matchups, but Perrin and Conte, that's a pretty tough duo to start over. It's going to be pretty tough to replace the unreal production that Taylor Sander had in Santa Cruzero last year, but if there's anyone that could do it, it's probably these two. William Arjona and Alan Souza both re-signing with Cesi Sao Paulo, the runners-up in the Brazilian Superliga, for one more season. Great signing for Sao Paulo. I think Alan Souza was a slight flight risk to Santa Cruzero, given that they're generally trying to sign the best players in Brazilian volleyball, and Alan Souza probably the number two opposite right now. But looks like Santa Cruzero is going to roll with Ivandro Guerrera for another year. William Arjona. El Mago, still setting at a very high level, still has absolutely beautiful hands, but every year that goes by becomes even more of a blocking liability. We'll see when or if that ever becomes a thing that keeps him off the court entirely, but given the rate that he's going at, he's going to keep playing until he's 50. Now for some smaller signings from around the other various leagues in volleyball, Ryan Sclater, the Trinity Western graduate who was the backup opposite for Canada in last year's Nations League and in the World Championships. He is moving from Lundberg in Germany to Montpellier in France to replace Jean Patry, who is moving to Latina in the Italian League. I think a few people were expecting Sclater to go into one of the bigger leagues, given how successful he's been with Team Canada when he's gotten the minutes. But Montpellier, one of the better teams in France, he has big shoes to fill with Jean Patry, who is the backup opposite on the French national team. It's a good signing for Montpellier. I think Skater would get a bit more recognition if it wasn't for Shawan Vernon Evans, pretty much getting all the attention for Canada at the opposite position. But I think Skater will definitely be one of the best opposites playing in France next year. Another good opposite player moving on to the French league, Yolan Cox, who has been the main scorer for Mosaic the last couple years in Belgium, will be moving on from Mosaic to Nice Volleyball in the French, an undersized opposite at only about 6'4", but he jumps out of the gym. It'll be interesting to see how he does outside of Belgium. In Germany, Japanese outside hitter Masahiro Yanagida is moving from Poland to Frankfurt. Big loss for Lubin as Yanagida was probably their best player last year, but big win for Frankfurt because they get someone who will more than replace the leaving Moritz Karlitzek. Really like Yanagida as a player. I think sometimes Poland was a bit too physical for him. Didn't really have his best season in the Polish Plus Liga. But as we saw a couple years ago, he is more than able to dominate the block in Germany. Daniel Jansen van Dorn, the Canadian middle blocker, is moving from the number one team in Finland, Sastamala, 
to Nac Rosalaire in Belgium, where he will be joining Canadian setter Brett Walsh. Good move for Rosalaire. Really all they care about is beating Mosaic in the Belgian Domestic League. Didn't get it done this year or last year, so they are fiending to be back on top in Belgium. I think this move brings them one step closer. Van Doren had some injury troubles at the end of last year, but likely will have a more limited involvement with Team Canada and will be rested up, ready to play well for NAC next year. Christian Pogligen, the Argentinian outside hitter, who had a pretty average season in Ravenna, not amazing, not terrible. Moving from the Italian Superliga to Zerat Benkasi Ankara in Turkey. Seems like over the last few seasons, Turkey has been signing a lot of B-plus foreign players to play for them, and I think this pretty much fits that description to a T. Christian Pogligen, good player, solid guy, but not going to win you any championships by himself. So I think that's all the signings I'm going to cover for today. Undoubtedly missed a few in there, but there'll be plenty of time to review all the offseason moves in incredible detail later on in the summer when we have a bit more free time, maybe after the Olympic qualifiers before the Euro Volley Championships, kind of around there, maybe in July, we'll see. So to end this podcast, I think we could go over the schedule for the summer in terms of international volleyball because it is absolutely loaded with different tournaments. Volleyball Nations League just started up for the women. A lot of teams look like they're using younger, fresher rosters, getting ready for other tournaments. I expect something similar to happen in the men's tournament, which is going to be running every weekend starting May 31st to June 28th. And then we have the VNL finals for the guys in Chicago from July 10th to 14th. And the women are playing in China from July 3rd to 7th. We also have the European Golden League starting this weekend, May 25th and May 26th, and running all the way to June 15th and 16th. The teams participating in that, Belarus, Belgium, Croatia, Czech Republic, Estonia, Finland, Latvia, Slovakia, Spain, the Netherlands, Turkey, and Ukraine. So actually a lot of strong national teams with some good players in there. Probably a few of them would actually do quite a bit of damage if they were participating in the Nations League. So after Nations League is finished, we have the U21 World Championships happening in Bahrain. Get to see some of the best young players in volleyball right now. Looking forward to that, especially since the Canadians have been producing some very good junior teams as of late. Then in August, we have perhaps the biggest tournament of the summer, the Olympic qualifiers, where many teams will get their chance to qualify for the Olympic Games happening in Tokyo 2020. It's happening from August 9th to 11th. That's going to be a crazy time. Six different pools, four teams per pool, 24 teams, all competing for a highly coveted spot at that Olympics. Lots of game in very few days. Really looking forward to that one. Then in September, we have the Eurovolley Championships, definitely the most highly regarded and most competitive of all the continental championships. I'll actually be going there to cover it in person, but don't worry, we'll also hopefully figure out a way to get some podcasts going during that time as well. And then right after that, in October 1st to 15th, we have the World Cup. No details at all on that tournament so far, so can't really talk about it too much, but it is happening in Japan on October 1st to 15th. We know the teams involved. There's some good ones, but given all the other volleyball going on this summer and given its proximity to the club season, 
might not be the A rosters for every single country. So going to be a very, very busy summer in the world of volleyball. Kind of feel bad for a lot of the players. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the summer season is grueling for them sometimes, especially this summer for the Europeans who are working their way towards the European Championships in September. So I suspect this year that in Nations League, you will be seeing a lot of good players being rested, a lot of Olympians only playing one or two legs of the Nations League just to satisfy the FIVB's rule that I believe states that six players from the previous World Championship team have to play in Nations League, something like that. Honestly, I think that's the way Nations League should be, though. should be kind of more showcase tournament, more for fun, give a lot of younger players and kind of B-team players some playing time. You know, once we get to the finals, sure, send your best lineups, but until then, it should be more of a development tournament than a showcase tournament, and I believe it is heading that way. Seems like a lot of teams are talking about resting their good players for most of it. Also, if you want to watch all these tournaments this summer, at least if you're not an American, the FIVB actually decreased their price for the streaming service VolleyballWorld.tv. They're now providing a season pass. I think it was only $30 Canadian, $20 American, which gets you all of Men's and Women's Nations League, the Olympic qualifiers for both men and women, the World Cup for men and women, and then the club world championships happening in December for men and women. A very good deal, in my opinion. You get four pretty high-level tournaments with good production values, only for $20 or $30, which I believe is like a at least a $30 or $40 decrease if you were to buy all the tournaments individually last year. Good job, FFVB, you know, listening to the fans. Price was a bit steep for what they were offering last year, so I think a price decrease will be much appreciated by the fan base. Unfortunately for Americans, you guys are still stuck with the hideously expensive flowvolleyball.tv, but there is nothing a good VPN won't solve. So I think that's it for today. A bit quiet in the world of men's volleyball, at least in games played as we anticipate Nations League. Still a lot of crazy transfers going on, which are always fun to talk about. We'll likely have at least one more big transfers podcast before the transfer window is wrapped up. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And look forward to some Volleyball Nations League previews coming your way soon. Thanks.